Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Broncos Podcast Network for another edition of The Snap. I'm Alexis Perry, joined by the one and only Sydney Jones. And for the final week of the season, we are so excited to have the first woman to ever call a nationally televised NFL game and the voice that you will hear this Sunday when you tune into the Broncos Raiders game on CBS, Beth Mowens. Beth, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy week to join us here on The Snap. First off, happy holidays to you and yours. I know this has been a crazy busy holiday season. How has yours gone so far? Uh, so far, so good. Got our fingers crossed, um, you know, doing doing our part, I think, like everybody else and, and uh, trying to stay socially distanced, but uh, still... Uh, being able to say uh, hello to family and friends from afar. And and so, uh, you know, I, I love this kind of time of year because you have the overlapping seasons of a lot of different sports going on. And and just like you guys growing up a sports fan, I, I love to see the overlap. And and especially as we get closer now to the, to the NFL postseason. Well, I kept saying all I wanted for Christmas was for the Broncos to get a season series sweep over the Chargers again this year. But since that didn't happen, my new holiday wish is for the Broncos to just start 2021 off with a win and carry some of that momentum into the offseason. What have you seen from this Denver team this season that gives you some hope that the future for this team is really bright? Well, I, I think um, there's a lot of similarities between both of these teams in terms of young talent. Um, that uh, I think will be given a chance to grow. I, I think that for both sides, you know, you look back at the schedule, you hate to play, uh, you know, the woulda, coulda, shoulda game, right. but there are games that the Broncos, you know, had an opportunity to win and were, were not able to close it out down the stretch. Um, that, you know, the Raiders have some of those as well on, on their schedule. So I, I don't think that either side was that far off, uh, you know, from uh, flirting with the playoffs. And that is obviously the ideal for every team. You want to be in the chase as long as you can and, and to get to the postseason. So um, it was a rough week last week, obviously, for Drew Locke and, and Jerry Judy. But I, I think those are, uh, you know, some pieces that um, w- will be a big decision this offseason for the Broncos if they're going to stick with Drew and, and give him the chance to grow into the job. Uh, Jerry Judy, obviously a first round guy. I, I think that they think awfully highly of him and that he'll be able to bounce back. So um, to be able to be in a lot of close games, even without Von Miller and without a lot of the injuries that they had on the defensive side of the ball, um, I, I think there are still some great building blocks. You take a look uh, at a guy like Justin Simmons, who's such a, a great guy in the community and in that locker room that I, I think they're going to be able to figure some things out. Like you mentioned, Beth, both the Broncos and the Raiders have been eliminated from the playoffs this season, but there's still plenty to play for in a ton of bad blood between these two teams. So Beth, what excites you the most about this matchup on Sunday? Oh boy. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that either team statistically has been very good defending against the run. And certainly it is something that the Raiders will want to get back to. They were able to run the ball real well the first half of the season, not so much the second half of the season. And I think that was a big reason why their record turned around. And, you know, I, I think it's something that the Broncos definitely want to try and establish as well. Uh, what is, uh, what is left in the tank for Melvin Gordon moving forward? Unfortunately, they won't get another look at Philip Lindsay, but I, I think that running back room is something else that they want to take a look at. So, 
you know, they, they, this is one of those big rivalry games that goes back to 1960. They don't like each other very much. And, and I think the important thing to remember um, as, as fans and as broadcasters, for a lot of these guys, their shelf life, their opportunity to play in the NFL is very short-lived. So for a lot of them, this is a, a huge audition, whether they're going to stay with their teams or, or move on. And, and that's how they approach it. And that's kind of the way that we approach it as well. Excited to see what they can do on Sunday. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how Jerry Judy bounces back from his five drop game last Sunday against the Chargers. So Beth, how important do you think it'll be for Drew Locke to continue to look for and get the ball to Jerry Judy in this final game? I, I would imagine that they're going to try and establish uh, that connection pretty quickly in the game just to see if they can get off on, on the right foot and to build a lot of confidence as they move forward. So uh, we're, we're looking probably to see those guys try and connect very early in the game to reestablish that rapport and to start rebuilding that confidence. It's, it's another one of the interesting similarities when you talk about Jerry Judy with the Broncos and Henry Ruggs with, with the Raiders, the first two guys off the board. And then you look around the league, it was such a great wide receiver draft the first two rounds and a lot of other guys putting up big numbers. So I, I think both Jerry and Henry Ruggs, the Raiders definitely want to try and get him some more touches as well, since he was still, um, you know, based on what they were saying, he was still feeling the effects of the COVID last week and wasn't at his best. So two young guys that want to really go out on a positive note into the off season. Well, it will be up to Drew Locke to get the ball into Jerry Judy's hands this week. And speaking of Drew, he's really had some ups and downs so far throughout this audition season. So what do you think he needs to show in this final game on Sunday to prove to John Elway and company that he's the guy that they should continue building this team around? Well, I think first and foremost, as, as, as Bronco fans know, is you've got to take care of the football. And I, I believe it's 11 straight games now with the turnover for Drew, whether it's an interception or a fumble. So first and foremost, I think he's got to show that uh, he is capable of much better ball security. That That's going to be the big thing. I think that, that um, um, you know, the, the, the Bronco brain trust will be taking a closer look at on tape throughout the off season. So I, I, want to see Drew have a clean game and I also want to see him develop that rapport with the younger guys and and in particular I think as, as we've talked about Judy is critical um, getting um, things going with Noah Fant that seems to have been a good connection second half of the season I think Noah is a guy uh, what a couple catches away from being the first Bronco tight end to have 100 catches in his first two seasons so if you're a young quarterback, you know these other young pieces are still going to be in the building. I, I would think you would want to really develop your relationship with those two guys on Sunday in particular. Well, one thing Drew Locke will not have to worry about this offseason is meeting a new coach and learning a new system. We learned on Sunday that head coach Vic Fangio will be back here in Denver in 2021 and presumably offensive coordinator Pat Shermer as well. So just how critical is it for this young quarterback and this young roster as a whole to really have some continuity as this team looks to have some success in the near future? Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it, right? Especially in the NFL, when you know you're going to have guys coming and going, whether it's through free agency or whether it's through trades and, and you're not quite sure who's going to be back in the room with you from year to year. But you, the expectation, I think, is at least if we've established something with a lot of our younger guys and we're doing it together, there, there's a much better chance moving forward that we'll have that opportunity. 
Uh, you you got to believe they're probably going to look at a veteran quarterback to maybe bring in uh, competition wise. And certainly it looks like a very deep draft uh, from the quarterback position for first round opportunity. So are you going to look at a guy like a, a Trey Lance or a Kyle Trask if they're still around? Looks like the Broncos are around the, the ninth or 10th pick right now in the draft. So I think Drew in particular wants to set the tone that he's the guy to beat um, because chances are there will be some competition if he is in Denver next year. Well, Vic Fangio, like a lot of coaches this year, has had to turn lemons into lemonade week in and week out. The Broncos are without half of their defensive starters this week. Bradley Chubb's status is still up in the air. So Beth, what are your overall impressions of this Denver defense and what they've been able to do this year without so many of their biggest stars? Well, I think we're seeing a couple of things that you have to have in the NFL, right? You have to have your edge rushers and you have to have your cornerbacks and a similar story really for the Raiders as well this year. They have not been able to get the pressure that they wanted, certainly without Von Miller in the lineup that that's been an issue in Denver. And then all the injuries at the cornerback position, I, I think I counted, they've had five different starters playing corner for them this year. So um, I, I, I'm anxious to see how some of those young guys continue to improve and, and what this defense could look like with all the pieces in place, you know, the injuries to up front um, and the interior part of the D line were, were certainly a big factor. So I got to believe they're looking at, um, you know, an, an interior guy or a linebacker that can also cover or another corner in the draft as well. They went heavy offense last year, three of the first four picks. So I got to think that they're looking defense um, th this time around. Well, like we talked about earlier, neither the Broncos nor the Raiders have playoff hopes this week, but who do you think needs this win more heading into the off season? Ooh, you know, I, I think that probably if you're looking at it from a standpoint of really trying to establish something um, that you can show your fan base you're headed in the right direction. We already know the Broncos, the, the wins are going to be down from a year ago. The Raiders, on the other hand, have a chance to improve from seven to nine to eight and eight. It's not the winning record or the playoff record they were hoping for. But I, I think a lot is on the line considering that their second half of the season this year looked exactly like it did a year ago. They could not finish. And so I, I think it's critical, especially after the way they lost to Miami. I know both teams lost heartbreakers last week, but the way they lost that Miami game, what is their mindset coming in? So I, I think there's probably um, a, a much bigger carrot dangling in front of the Raiders this week. And it'll be interesting to see how, how they respond after that heartbreaking defeat. Well, thank you so much for your insight on this game, Beth. We cannot wait to hear you call the game this Sunday. But speaking of calling games, we have to learn a little bit more about your amazing career and how you became the first woman in 30 years to call an NFL game and the first to ever call it on a national network. So let's start from the very beginning. When did you know that you wanted to be a sports broadcaster? Well, I, I was one of those annoying people that I, I've always known what I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> and so I, I was able to start from a very early age. I, I always, I played sports growing up. My dad was a high school basketball coach and, you know, growing up with three brothers and all the little kids in the neighborhood playing sports, that's always been my day to day. It's always what I've done is, is, you know, play sports. And I, I was able to do that, play a little basketball in college as well. So I think that I've always been able to use that background to my advantage. I watched Phyllis George on the NFL Today show. Um, and Gail Sarens, who was the first woman to call a game 
um, back in the late 80s. And so those two were very inspirational for me to kind of um, show me the way and, and show me that it could be done if I put the work in. And of course, Denver always has a special place in my heart because that was the very first um, you know, Monday night football game uh, with the Broncos and the Chargers that went right down to the wire. And so uh, also the opportunity to go back to Denver at the end of that season a few years back uh, for the first start of a guy named Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs. So uh, I, I love uh, coming to town and I always loved, you know, seeing mile high in the skyline. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back and, and uh, continuing the next chapter. Well, speaking of that game, September 11th, 2017, take us back to that week, that week of preparation. What was it like? What were you feeling? Uh, you know what? It, it was a situation where you, I, I had an understanding of how significant it was and what was kind of going on around me with all the media attention and all the interviews and things like that. Um, but, you know, as best I could, I treated it like any other game and, and my preparation was the same. And, you know, you, you want to make sure you have good questions when, and conversation when you talk with coaches. You want to make sure you are developing a good rapport uh, with your partner and um, all, all those kinds of little things. You want to take care of the details and be prepared for anything so that you can enjoy everything. And that's kind of you know, how things um, came together. Uh, we had a terrific crew. I had some of my old friends that I grew up with, some of my college buddies that were in town with me for moral support and, uh, you know, who, who knew me when uh, I was, you know, uh, that, uh, that college kid that was, uh, you know, honing my craft and working on the trade as best I could. And uh, it, it was just, it was a great, great week and a, and a great night and a fabulous game that we got to call. And, that's really all you can hope for. You hope for a close game with a fantastic finish, and, and we're looking forward to that on Sunday as well. Well, no doubt, Beth, you've certainly had a fantastic career. What were some of those early decisions you made to help you get on the path to where you are today? Well, I, I think first and foremost, I, I got some great advice and some great support around me that um, a lot of people said, go get an English degree, do a lot of reading and writing go liberal arts. So you're constantly working on your communication skills. You're constantly developing layers of more information, more background that you can use in any type of situation. And then work on your, your broadcast journalism and your sportscasting nights, weekends. See if you can pick up a few paychecks along the way as a, as a, uh, a runner or a PA or somebody on the sideline pulling cables, all, all kinds of stuff that I was doing in local TV in the Syracuse market. And then I went and got my master's at Syracuse, which is, uh, you know, one of the best broadcasting schools in the world. We think it's number one. Um, and so that was all kind of laying the groundwork because ultimately it's still a, a people business. And so how do you communicate with people? How do you work with your team, with your crew? How are you networking with people to find out where sort of the next step is along the way for you to keep moving up the ladder and, and getting better and better opportunities? And, and it, it, all, it all started with the people around me, the people in my huddle that were, you know, giving you the kick in the fanny or the pat on the back, whatever it was that you needed to get through the day and get through that, uh, that adversity that you were facing. English degree. I don't think I've heard that yet. Yes, That's a great, mm -hmm. great advice though. Whoever told you to do that. Yep. That's, that's where I first met uh, my dear friend, Mark Twain, who, uh, <laughs> who gave, gives me the best quote uh, in the world. Why wouldn't you go out on a limb? That's where the fruit is. 
And that's what I love to tell, especially young women that are trying to get into sports casting and, and trying to get a footing in this business. You got to take chances. You got to put yourself out there in, in positions where you might fail and then pick yourself up, improve, learn from those and keep climbing out on that limb and keep chasing that fruit. You talk about positions in which you might fail. Were there any challenges you faced along the way? And maybe if so, how did you overcome them? Uh, you know, I, I think you have to, as quickly as you can, make yourself comfortable in situations that normally would be pretty uncomfortable. So, you know, when I was first starting out, you were often the only girl in the room. And so I had the advantage of being a coach's kid where I was the only girl in the gym for practice. Three brothers, I, I was always the only girl in the room when we were roughhousing as youngsters and, and playing kickball and wiffle ball and football in the backyard. And so I think those things I, I was able to use to my advantage in situations when I was starting out where I was the only woman on a crew and just felt completely comfortable in that. The other thing I think uh, that is critical is you have to gain confidence so you have to be as prepared as you can. You have to get in as many repetitions as you can. A lot of times that was talking into a recorder that was sitting in front of the TV with the volume down, just working on my play to pl play by play, standing in front of the mirror. So you start feeling more and more comfortable as if you're on camera and doing your reports or doing your open hits and things like that. Uh, all I think work in your benefit so that you feel comfortable in what could be an uncomfortable situation. Well, there are definitely more female broadcasters and play-by-play -play analysts today than there were even 10 years ago. But as a whole, why do you think there are so few women in these roles? And what do you think's next for women in terms of kind of taking over some of these roles that have generally been dominated by men? Yeah, I, I think probably one of the things is for a lot of young girls, a lot of teenage girls, uh, we tend not to want to be in positions of leadership. We, we tend to want to fit in. And so the play-by-play -play role or the analyst role is you know, pretty significant. You're out in front, you're leading the discussion, you're sharing your opinions. You, you better be on top of it because you will be scrutinized very closely. So it, it's what, a position that I like to say, you, you want to have the ball. And so when I was growing up as a point guard, I always wanted to have the ball. And that translated into, you know, the decision making that that helped me out as a play by play announcer as well. I think, too, um, it, it's what we talked about a little earlier. If you see somebody doing it, then you start thinking you can do it. And for years, most roles open to women were on the sideline. And so that was the role, I think, that a lot of young women um, ha have been drawn to over the years. And. Now we're starting to see, yes, there are still a lot of women that want to be sideline reporters, but now there are also a lot of women that want to be anchors and that want to be play-by-play -play and that want to be color commentators. And they know that if that's their true passion, then they can chase that. Well, Beth, you've done an amazing job at paving that path for hopeful female play-by-play -play broadcasters. You've called college basketball, NBA on CBS, NCAA championships, and basketball, softball, soccer, and volleyball, you know, the Women's College World Series for more than 20 years, the 2011 Women's World Cup in Germany. The list goes on and on. Beth, out of all of those events, is there one in particular that stands out to you? Which one was your favorite? Oh boy. 
Um, I, I always like to say that uh, football is probably the biggest deal because that's the biggest audience. It's one game a week. So your preparation is much more significant. The buildup is much more significant. Uh, basketball is, is uh, home for me. That's what I, I grew up playing and played in college and, and have always been around. So I've always known the language and the sort of the, the rhythms of the game, the strategy. And then, the, the, you know, I've really grown to love the Women's College World Series uh, year in and year out. To be able to put your voice on national championships is pretty cool. And to see um, young girls when they're 10 years old say, but, you know, I, I hope that I, I can play um, in front of you guys one day. And then you're at the World Series and you're doing interviews and, and somebody sits down and says, remember me? I talked to you when I was 10 years old and now I'm here playing in this. And then 10 years later, they talk about how much they love the memories of, of those moments. So that, that's kind of how I, I probably break it down. But uh, that, that Monday night in Denver, that, that, was pretty, that was pretty special. That was pretty near the top. <laughs> One last question for you, Beth. You know, throughout all of those experiences, what advice would you give women in the industry, no matter what area of it they want to work in? Uh, I, I think first and foremost, and, and a lot of advice that I got from a, a lot of people when I was coming up is, you have to do it your way. You have to do it with your voice. You have to be as much as you can yourself. Um, if you're a little bit of a goofball or if you have a really good sense of humor, don't be afraid to hide that. Use that to your advantage. Uh, if you are you know, um, extremely into the strategy side of things, by all means, use that to your advantage. And if you're gonna if you're gonna make it make it your way if you're gonna you know come up a little short at least you know you did it uh, by by being true to yourself and and I think that's probably the most important thing to do is to find your own voice and find what you're really great at and and make that your life's work. Well, Beth, I know I can speak on behalf of Sydney when I say that we are just so grateful to have had this opportunity to meet you and learn more about such an amazing journey that you've had. Thank you for being a role model for us and for so many other women working in sports. We do appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Alexa, Sydney, appreciate it. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's edition of The Snap. We hope you'll meet us right back here on the Broncos Podcast Network and on the official Broncos YouTube channel next week for another fun episode. We'll see you then.